Horse breeding and the many assisted reproductive techniques that are improving on a continuous basis around the world grows and expands constantly and ProBreed would like to achieve the same kind of exposure and knowledge here in South Africa. So to help us achieve that mutual ambition of developing this part of the equine industry in our country, ProBreed looks to the equivalent in Europe and elsewhere in the world to help us achieve that. And as part of this, this week, we are delving into this fascinating industry with their next international specialist, Dr. Anna Grabowska, ahead of her exciting visit to South Africa for the ProBreed seminars. Anna holds a PhD in equine veterinary reproduction and embryo freezing and is based in Poland. So Anna, thank you very much for dialing in and joining us from across the world. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really hope for it and cannot wait. Well, we're really looking forward to having you here and we will have some details for everybody at the end of the podcast about how you can join Anna's seminars. Anna, you are, first of all, I was astonished and horrified at how young you are. And I don't want to shoot my mouth off here, but I believe you're 36 years old and already so, so accomplished in your field. What inspired you to focus on this specific field? I was a typical horse girl. And uh, I pretty also loved uh, uh, falls and, and breeding mass. And maybe because both of my parents uh, were also vet, that was an easier choice for me to go to veterinary school. But I always wanted to be close to the breeding. Uh, that's why I, did, I decided for reproduction part. And when I was at third year of my studies, I went for the, uh, for the practical uh, experiments and uh, I was in Neustadtdose and I saw for the first time embryo transfer there and it was something new, uh, very exciting and magical and I thought this is it, I just want to do it. The problem was that nobody in Poland uh, did it before so I had wow. to go to Vienna to do my PhD there and to get to know and learn about these techniques more. And then I started uh, applying it in, here in Poland. That's incredible. And how long have you been doing this for now? It's almost 15 years now. Jeez, and that's... it's uh, so funny because this year uh, the fall from embryo transfer was born and the grandmother of the fall was my first embryo transfer oh. uh, mare. So it's that's like... Congratulations. That's quite a milestone and, and like a legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible feeling. Anna, what are the key factors that breeders should be considering when they're selecting horses for breeding projects? Yeah, it depends if you are buying or thinking about uh, young mares or older mares. Of course, this older mares, older breeding mares, which already uh, got very good uh, progeny, uh, are more valuable, but uh, you can think of some also problems to get her pregnant uh, again. So uh, I think very crucial is uh, um, do a right exam, not only ultrasound of, uh, of the uh, uh, uterus or something, but also to look at her um, external uh, conformation from the uh, reproductive uh, point of view. And very, very important is her breeding history. 
So if uh, she got a fall every season, if they use a fresh semen or frozen semen, and if there were any troubles with uh, during labor, this is also very, very important. So the, the breeding history, I think, is crucial here. And, and, and I mean, obviously, there's things you're going to be looking at specifically in a, in a breeding horse and then specifically in your surrogates. So the yeah, there is there is uh, some some other things you are looking at, and with the recipient mass, you you need to be very strict, okay. because uh, you have just usually just one trial, one embryo to put in, so we are very strict uh, according to recipient's mass. And what are some of those criteria, Anna? For sure, age. It's not like we What's say. What's the fine line for age? Yeah. It's three to ten, okay. uh, usually. But I have breeders which uh, used uh, mares were sixteen, and it was okay. But it's a matter of risk. We say that the the younger the mare is, the less risk we have. Absolutely okay. Um, and how do you evaluate a horse's suit? What what would you advise breeders beyond that in South Africa when we're selecting mares for breeding programs? Sometimes, unfortunately, it can become a bit of a sentimental exercise. Um, what, are, what are your big markers? You know, so I know, for example, in the Hanover Verband, they prioritize confirmation, temperament, movement. What for you specifically do you think breeders need to be focusing on? I'm always thinking about what the mare had, if the mare had falls before, if the falls are better than the mare. So nice. this is my main point if I would uh, could give advice to the breeders. If, if they can see that the falls are improving, they are better than the mother, then even they don't have good uh, pedigree or uh, not very good confirmation. But if the fall is straight, straight it's not a problem for me. That's great. I think I think you speak to an important thing that we've got to be constantly improving, and if yeah, we're not exactly. doing that, we've got to we've got to evaluate and and re re trajectorize everything pretty quickly. Exactly. So artificial insemination and embryo transfer are becoming increasingly common techniques. Would you mind walking us through the processes and the benefits that these have for breeders? Yeah, as for artificial insemination, this is a uh, a very good thing uh, for the owners of the mass, but also for the owners of the stallions. So you can use uh, semen of the stallion all over the country or all over the world, and you don't have to drive with the mare. So uh, shipping of the semen is is beneficial and, and very uh, allowed breeder to use wide uh, range of stallions. And this is uh, safe, very safe. It's safe for the mare and it's safe for the stallion. Not only uh, about injury that the mare can kick the stallion and or opposite, but also because of the contamination which stallion can bring to yes. mare before uh, he got some not not really clean mare. So these are the two major things, uh, and I think that this is the good way for the breeders to improve also their breeding program. And uh, as for the um, embryo transfer, 
this is really good good thing if you have a sport mare. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just changing. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Great. You, you saw. You saw. I was just smiling when I started talking about it. Yeah. It's uh, uh, so so you can you can use your sport mare for the breeding in the same time, and this is just awesome because normally you need uh, to take out the mare from the sport for year and a half. And going back with a good condition to start uh, going some sport again, it's another mm -hmm. time. So uh, with embryo transfer, you can have uh, just just one. I think one will be enough or two per season. You don't have to uh, mm -hmm. need ten in the in one year, but just one. You, when you have a good mare, sport mare, and she's doing really good, it's also very nice to check her as a mother. Yes. Uh, what she produces. Not waiting, not waiting till the end of her career when she's mm. 16 or 17. And we can, with normal insemination, you can have two or three falls. Mm. But uh, if you check her before and she's getting really good results as an older man, you already have a young horse mm. coming ride. up. Mm. Yeah. So this is not the only thing. You can also try embryo transfer with the mess. You have some troubles with uh, carrying the pregnancy till term. This is also a good, uh, good solution for this kind mm. of things. And of course, you can have many falls in one season. Yes. So is... I think it opens up that, that, as you said, that pool of really good dam lines. It makes yeah. it more accessible to us because people aren't worried about keeping them off of the competition circuits for a year. Exactly. So I think our stallion owners are probably very au fair with uh, artificial insemination collecting their horses. For a mare owner, what is the process, Anna, just briefly, I mean, I know it's quite complicated and you have done a PhD on it. What is the, what is the process that they could expect if they wanted to A, inseminate their mare or B, harvest an embryo from her? So these are uh, um, two things which are one after another. So uh, for embryo transfer, you also need to inseminate the mare. So with insemination, the only thing which change is you need to um, examine the mare in the heat to uh, get the right moment for insemination. So this is the, the one change. And the second, that uh, the vet is uh, putting the semen into the uterus, not, uh, not the stallion. So it's just like when you can uh, check your mare with uh, that, or you can see that she's in the heat, you just need to check how big is the follicle and if the uterus is, uh, uh, have this uh, heat edema. And then in the right time, you can order the semen. I'm talking about fresh semen. And inseminate usually next day or even the same day if the stallion is not far away. So yeah. it's not a problem, I think. And obviously then an embryo transfer becomes a much more complicated process. And we're going to assume that people have already identified one or hopefully two donor mares. And then the process of sinking them starts. Yes, yeah, so, so when we inseminate the mare uh, for the embryo transfer, we are collecting the embryo um, at day seven or eight after ovulation. So the tricky thing in embryo transfer is that we need to synchronize the recipient mares uh, in which we are going to put the embryos in. And 
the synchronization is uh, more or less that the recipient mass has to have heat in the same time as donor mass. And we have to think about uh, before, not at the moment of embryo transfer, but before when we are inseminating our donor mass. And it's best to have two or three recipient mass for one donor in case if they won't ovulate or uh, have some troubles in their uterus and so on. Hmm. Now, I'm sure, and, and I'm sure this is what you were saying early on about really good record keeping is knowing how each may does cycle. You know, if she's got a shorter yeah. cycle than normal, it just exactly. helps the owners to minimize that risk. Exactly. What are some of the most common problems mares have, which you've dealt with during your breeding seasons? Uh, so I think first is uh, cycle problems that are not even and we have uh, not enough edema or some troubles with ovulations. And to be honest, there is not a big role for vet in this. I think the um, the biggest help we can get it's with diet, with good health of the mare, and uh, with supplementation of the things which are needed for the um, breeding. So this is a thing you have to think of before breeding season, because every change in the diet, every supplementation, it need, it needs at least one or two months to start work. Mm. And to have uh, good cycles, it's to think about it before. What are some? So of this is the the first thing. This is uh, the cycle problems, and the second most common things is the uh, infections. Sure. And there are not only infections after breeding or insemination; there are also infections. <clears throat> uh, sorry, uh, after labor, and it doesn't have to be a, a very difficult labor. It's just you know can Ooh. can get uh, infected and uh, also we have some uh, susceptible mass which can uh, just they have they are more easy to infect Ooh. and we uh, have to uh, diagnose this and if we will get to it that this is this kind of mare then it's easy to handle and really get her pregnant Anna, when you speak about um, nutritional health and supplementation, what are some, obviously, foods are different around the world, but what are some, what are some of the key elements that mare owners need to consider in their horse's diet? Uh, many publications uh, tell us about uh, omega-3 acids, and we use it a lot, and we can see a definitely change in the cycles and also in uh, stallion semen quality. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, wow. and okay. it's it's proven it's uh, uh, not only um, by theoretical papers, mm. but also we had uh, we had been working with this for uh, I don't know five or six years now, and it's really working. You can see the difference. So uh, for for sure this, and also um, selenium. Uh, it's important okay. for breeding and vitamin E. So these are the three main uh, main factors that they can really influence uh, the breeding season. But remember, you have to do it before the season. Yeah, yeah. Get get ahead. You, it's not a one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so horse breeding is obviously quite a complex and unpredictable process. Can you give us an example of a challenging breeding case that you've encountered? Oh, uh, so I have prepared some uh, interesting clinical cases for the oh, seminar. And um, the interesting one, yeah, I have a case of a stallion. Uh, it was a young stallion, five-year-old. He already covered some mess a year and two years because, uh, before, and they had a lot of falls without any trouble. And this season, he started with 15 mess and none of them were pregnant. And the, the first, if you have two or three mess, you think it can happen, or maybe there was a problem with the mess. But with 15, you have to, you start to struggle. And we did the whole general exam of the stallion, and we did the ultrasound of the testes and everything was good. The breeder said there was no, uh, no injury. Uh, he didn't get any drugs or something. So when we collect the stallion, it turns out that he had no sperms at all in his semen. None. And we check again the testicles. They were looking quite good. No changes, no injury, no damage. And after a while, we figure out that his ampulla, so the place where the sperms are uh, collecting, yeah. is full. It's, it's like plucked. And he oh couldn't... That's so interesting. Yeah. Huh? yeah, it was very, very interesting case. And um, after some uh, relaxants, uh, drugs, relaxive uh, drugs, and some massage. He starts to getting away, getting rid of this old sperms, and he started to uh, getting mass pregnant again. That's amazing. Um, I want to know whose job it was to massage him, Anna, but it's fine. We won't <laughs> we won't cover that. Um, what about, uh, so sport horse mares we discussed earlier on, and you said obviously the embryo transfers are so fantastic for them because it means they don't have to wait until their career is over. But can they easily start a breeding career once once their show jumping or dressage or sport horse career is over? Yeah, old, older mm, sports mares are quite tricky. Mm -hmm. And you never know. It's like 50-50. There are some mares which uh, are doing just fine, like any other mare. But we we have mares which uh, really uh, struggle to get pregnant. The problem is that during age, even if the mares are not giving birth, uh, their uterus is changing. Uh, there are some degenerative changes in the uterus, and the muscles of the uterus and the cervix are not are not working properly. So uh, it can be really challenging to get this kind of mares pregnant. But it's, it's just a case of uh, every single mare. So mm. I would say it's 50-50. It's on a case-by-case -case basis, I'm sure. Yeah. So if you had a sport horse mare and you are potentially looking at breeding her towards the end of her career, would it be an idea to get a veterinary reproduction specialist such as yourself to look at the mare and maybe Caslex her if it's necessary um, or or to to say, like, I wouldn't wait, perhaps, you know, we might want to do an embryo transfer rather. Mm, usually it's uh, when they are not giving birth every year, the confirmation is not so bad. 
So it's more like a problem with cleaning of the uterus and drainage of the uterus. So for sure, we are just talking with the breeders and saying, we can try. We can try and see how it looks. Usually after insemination, we know which with with which we are uh, dealing with. Mm. Before, usually they are looking quite good and normal. But Mm. putting in them some some semen, if it's a natural mating or or insemination, uh, reveals the real problems. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and I know this is this is just a little bit off topic, and I know that your focus is on the on the breeding. They're they, they mixed feelings for a lot of people if they've got a fantastic mare to perhaps breed her as a three-year-old before her career starts. And I think that's to your point. It maybe helps the breeders to save a bit of money, you know, with an embryo transfer process. You get to have a foal on the ground early before you start producing her and see what she's going to do. They have, they, there's an interesting, I was just reading about it, that some people feel like it could affect the mare's performance later on, that it could affect the pelvis, it can affect ligaments, things like that. What are your thoughts about that? Again, I know it's a case-by-case basis, really, but is there any long-term, you know, side effects Influence, to a healthy yeah. pregnancy and a healthy foaling? No, I, I believe there is no, no such a thing that it can... Uh, influence her future sport career of course if if there's something uh can go wrong with the labor mm. but normally i think it's you can develop more some of them they are getting stronger bigger you know like like looking like older uh, older after giving birth mm. and uh i think they are developing during pregnancy mm. And for sure, it's more positive than negative impact. And for sure, it will be easier to get her pregnant again after finishing her career if she got a fall before. Mm. That's interesting. I'm also glad to hear that it doesn't ruin um, a sport horse because I have a six-year-old daughter. So (laughs) it's nice for me to, to hear that. Thank you. Um, We've spoken a little bit about nutrition and especially for pregnancy, um, what, what about stallions? You said stallions, are, are, do the same vitamins apply for stallions? And then to go on from that, what about lactating mares and foals? Yeah, so uh, uh, about the stallions, uh, this uh, omega-3 and 6 acids are really uh, crucial because they protect uh, the cytoplasm of the sperms. So it influences uh, for the uh, capability temperature changing so for cooled semen chilled semen and for freezing semen this is very very important Interesting. and the the right um, diet for the stallions also improve the quality and motility of uh, of the semen and of course the production of sperms the number of sperms and as it goes for lactating mass um, yeah, they are typical, more like diet than uh, supplementary okay. things. Of course, you need to put some um, calcium uh, to bring the the bone growing of the fall. So this mm. is this is very crucial. And you can start it in the third semester of the pregnancy. Nice. Uh, then it it um, have a good influence on uh, on how the fall is is growing and his bones, and then also during the lactation pe- period. 
Okay, great. Um, and then moving on to what I think is going to really get your your uh, blood up. Advances in reproductive te technologies have obviously transformed the field of horse breeding. What are some of the most innovative biotechnological developments you're working on? At the moment in Europe, uh, in vitro fertilization uh, is the, the number one uh, subject. And uh, it's, it's called OPU-ICSI. So OPU okay. is for ovum pickup. And ICSI is for intercytoplasmical sperm injection. And uh, we, we can call it in vitro fertilization, but we are uh, using the specific names because they're not uh, equal to the in vitro fertilization we are doing in bovine or also in human. It is very specific. It's specific for horses. Because you know horses are special, always. Also, oh, in yes, the... always. <laughs> more expensive. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, with normal in vitro fertilization, you just need to. Okay, so wait from the start. Ovum pickup is picking up the oocytes which are in the follicle of the mare, and uh, you are doing it uh, in the clinic, and then. Uh, those oocytes you picked up, uh, they are um, maturate the, the maturation of, of the oocytes in the, it's in the lab, and then this uh, fertilization is also in the lab. The only uh, thing which uh, differs horses and, for example, humans, is that normally you can you can put in the plate a dish. Uh, one all side and put 500 sperms into it and you are waiting and until the things happened you are giving them the uh, um, the good uh, culture place so the good temperature and co2 and so on and they are doing it by themselves and then you are looking for the embryo for uh, after a few days but with horses it's not working so oh. you have to grab one, you have a special microscope mm. and you have to grab the oocyte and grab the sperm and put the sperm inside the oocyte. Otherwise, it's not working. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's yeah, wonderful. Horses. Are you, horses. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Exactly. And then how do you know, how do you know the sperm that you're choosing is going to be the next, um, you know, the next yeah. chocolate bean? You know, yeah, that's, that's, this is a question. This is a question. The person who works in the lab is choosing it. So, oh, oh they yeah. just have to stay always, you know. And you know what is funny that uh, with ICSI, they said usually there is more stallions, uh, like colts born than fillies because they all always want to choose the sperm which is moving, uh, is the fastest one. Oh. And usually the male ones are the fastest one. Of course they are. Of course. Yeah. They're in a rush to get everything over with. So this yeah. is so so this is the Opu Ixi. So this is Yeah. So so it's basically forced in vitro fertilization. Yeah. Okay. That's incredible. They have no other chance to get an embryo from it. That's that's absolutely astonishing. So obviously there's a there's a cost factor, but this negates the, the, the and then from this you would then have to find get your donor mares ready uh afterwards the the 
positive, the nice thing of uh, one of the nice things of uh, OPUXI method is that you can freeze uh, the embryos. Wow. With a normal embryo transfer, it's not possible mm. because, again, it's horses and they are specific. And then their uh, embryos, which uh, you um, recover normally from the mare, have the, a specific capsule that cannot allow this uh, cryoprotectants to go in. So you mm. cannot freeze them. But That's with uh, in vitro uh, embryos, they are small and they are not starting to getting this capsule yet. So you can freeze it easily. So you can keep the, uh, the embryos frozen and put into recipient mare when you want. So That's you can cool. also That's ship massive. the embryos. I so that's that's one of the massive adv advantages to breeders, I'm yeah. sure, is that they can... And how long can you keep an embryo frozen for? Like with the semen. There's no... That's amazing. Time. Yeah. What are, are there any other benefits to the breeders besides having this great time advantage? Yeah, yeah. So as I said, uh, you can freeze the embryo. So you can you don't need to have a large amount of recipients. You, you are just waiting with the recipient uh, is ready, then you can thaw the embryo and put in. So you can ship the embryos also, and you can sell the embryos. That's incredible. Yeah, so That's... these are big, big advantages. But also, what is uh, here in Europe uh, getting this method very popular, uh, you can use the stallion semen, which is hard to get, which is that their availability is very low. Because with OPU and ICSI, you're just using one-tenth one. of, not one, one-tenth of the straw. That's brilliant. Yeah. So you could argue, like, best-case scenario, one straw could result in, in 10 embryos. Mm, even more. Yeah. Because if you are using this one-tenth of the straw for the session, you can use for... I don't know, 500 all sites. So if, if, you, uh, if your mare is getting uh, all sites collected that day and your friend also want to uh, inseminate, uh, fertilize this, uh, his mare with the same stallion, they can say, okay, I will be collecting all sites that day so we can use this one-tenth of the straw together. That's incredible. Yeah, and this the is the possibility really... for sport horse breeding. This just changes it so significantly, right? Yeah, exactly. Is it hard exactly. to is it hard for the mares to take the frozen embryo, Anna? No, no. I I think it's even it's equal or even better with the normal insemination, because you have time to prepare the recipient good. That's such a great point. So you know that your recipient is absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So this season, uh, we had like 82% of pregnant mares after, after frozen semen result. transfer. Yeah, yeah. And I really like it. You can plan it. You know? yes. <laughs> so. that's, I mean, that's, that's a massive advantage. That's And as you say, you, you're tracking these mares and knowing them so well, yeah. you know, when everything's ready. And how quickly, once your mare is ready, how, how much time do you need to 
I don't want to say defrost the embryo, but I don't know what the correct terminology is. It depends on the on the uh, laboratory, which is okay. freezing the uh, embryo. But usually worldwide, uh, we are using this uh, step uh, freezing. So we need to make some steps uh, with uh, um, different concentration of cryo cryopreservants. So it needs uh, it takes like hour and a half for thawing and uh, transferring the embryo. Yeah, I know this is so exciting. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this at your at your seminars. Um, we have, we will have the whole day for that. That's going to be great. Um, a question from somebody. It's a big effort to get a mare pregnant and taking care of her during the pregnancy. The birth of the foal is a delicate and exciting event. And then, of course, you get pony foals who just have them in a field and they're fine. But can you share some insights into the birthing process and any advice you have for breeders for the first minutes and days of foal care? There is a, a very nice rule. It calls one to three rule. It means that during one, during one hour, the foal should get up. During two hours, uh, he or she should start drinking. And during three hours, we want the placenta go out and uh, you could see already meconium going out. And this is a very nice rule, easy to remember. And if something is not going in this uh, particular time, this is a, uh, you need to call it your vet. Okay. So, and there are some, there's uh, a lot of things the breeders can do and think of, but it's a, uh, it's a really wide topic, and yeah. I hope we will be able in during the weekend just go go through mm. it step by step. I like the one two three rule though. I love I love simple simple things are nice. Yeah. Strong relationships with breeders and horse owners is essential. How do you communicate and collaborate with them to achieve their breeding goals? Um, I it's not easy way, and uh, mm. because. Uh, we just love to talk about the stallions, the uh, which stallion we should use for this man and so on. And they have the plans in their mind, uh, already picked up the stallion three years ago. And then it turns out that he's not available or this is not a good stallion for his oh, man. And yeah. yeah, so this is, this is a, can be sometimes uh, problematic to, get more logical in uh, in what we can do and less emotional in choosing That's the stallion. Nice. Yeah. But in general, I'm the godmother of a lot of uh, foals and yeah. it's always, I'm so proud of them and they're calling me, hey, your foal just got a prize and so on. And it's it's something just great to have the, that's really this kind incredible. of relationship with them. I think it also just builds trust. If if they can trust you to make a good decision for them and the decision does come out and with an 82% success rate, it just lends credibility to the entire relationship, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. After some seasons, it's easier. You know the mass very good. You know what fits them most, what they mm. need. So it's... Oh. It's really nice. It's, it's interesting time. with the difference between stallions and mares. We're obviously stallions in one season. 
you could, you've probably got a graph of 200 possibly progeny to grade them on and to see what they're producing. Whereas with mares, historically, you've had one a year. And now, but I mean, OPU-ICSI will change that completely. You can, exactly. you can take your top mare, put her to a variety of stallions and see what she produces. Exactly. This is a really nice thing you can do. And finally, Anna, what advice do you have for aspiring veterinarians or breeders who want to specialize in horse breeding? Uh, I think the, the only advice is to put your heart into it and then it will work. Just do it with passion and, and it will be satisfaction at the end, I believe. Do you have any key lessons that you've learned in your career that you would like to share? I think uh, that I would, what I would change, I would start earlier to get some experience. So not waiting till the end of the uh, studies, just not, not thinking that, oh, after first year I will be doing embryo transfer and so on, but just be close to the breeders, be close to the vets, just looking around what's happening and to get some this practical knowledge because it's easier to learn, study afterwards theoretical things if you know how it works already. So mm -hmm. this is a thing, not just that I have to do experiments after first year of my studies, but to get to know how the real breeder work look like. I think with horses, it's just constantly experience, experience, experience exactly. with any, any element of it, right? Anna, exactly. thank you so much for your time tonight. We're really looking thank forward you. to seeing you in South Africa. Yeah, hope to see you. See you soon. Yes. So definitely in Midrand, this weekend on the 19th and the 20th, and we'll be in Stellenbosch at the Stellenbosch University. And next weekend, the 26th and 27th in Midrand at the South African Equestrian Federation Training Center. Lovely setup there. They are still taking bookings for both. If anybody would like to make a booking, please email Frederica Coop. But um, I would not recommend using Frederica's name. It's very difficult to spell. Rather email info at proseriesevents.com or you can book straight on the website and that is proseriesevents.com forward slash pro hyphen breed. So anyone who's interested in hearing what else our veterinary expert, Dr. Anna Grabowski, has to say about embryo transfers, the freezing process, and other equine veterinary reproduction specialities. This is your opportunity to gain some incredible insights. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this, the South African Equestrian Federation podcast from the horse's mouth. We'll be back again next Wednesday. <laughs>